things don't happen fast. Market share doesn't happen quickly. Careers, generally speaking, take time to build. And I think as a young person in the industry early on, I've made mistakes because I was too impatient and, and forced things too quickly. And that's something that I wish I had known a bit earlier. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is the managing director of the Ray White Group, Dan White. So, Dan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Samantha. Great to, great to be with you. Thank you for being with us, actually, because I know um, you're based in Sydney, aren't you? And Sydney's in the middle of a pretty big lockdown at the moment. So how are you personally adjusting to that at the moment? Yeah, it's certainly been, um, it's, it's come on quickly. And uh, I think when it first started to slow down a few weeks ago, we thought we'd get back out of it like we have done in the last few scares. But uh, certainly, um, you know, everything's, everything's really slowed up, obviously, not getting into the office, working from home. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, We've learned a lot from the first time. We've um, certainly ready um, ready for this and our members are reacting really well. So we're very fortunate we can still do one-on-one inspections in Sydney. Um, so it is, keeping us, it is keeping us active, obviously, always observing the spirit of the regulations and making sure we're safe. But uh, we, we can still do things, which is great. And there's still a fair bit of activity around the country as well in terms of auctions and things like that. What have you yeah. seen um, in, within Ray White in the last couple of months? Yeah, I think we were looking at this morning very closely. Our auction figures, as you, as you point out, are really always a litmus test, I think, of the market. And our numbers are looking like we had a really big auction a couple of weeks ago, but now with Melbourne um, and Adelaide now no longer to do auctions in the next little while, we, we're looking at numbers looking down about 35% coming into um, into August, into the well, later part of January into August. So a decent dip, but certainly not, not a bigger drop as last time. And there's so much more confidence in the digital auction methods than before. So while we expect a dip, we don't see it being as drastic as, as, as round one. And that's, that's, that's a great thing. And speaking of auctions, your father, Brian, sold the family home up here in Ascot. So it must feel a bit like the end of an era. It is a big thing for the family. Uh, it's a beautiful old home where myself and my brother's fortunate to grow up. But um, it's a big old Queenslander and it uh, required so much love and attention. And uh, after 20 years of not living in the city, um, it came a time where it needed to change hands. So I think it, we always say as a family, it's great to be a vendor um, and to realise, put ourselves in the shoes of our customers. And my, my, my father and mother went through that process recently and um, always learned a lot from it. But the guys that looked after for us, Matt and Dwight, did an amazing job and a yeah, great result for them. Were they nervous at all? Always, yeah. It's a big responsibility. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, I think Matt and Dwight, they're pretty, they're, they're pros. But, yeah, I think even they admit that they were a little bit, um, well, a little bit nervous. But, uh, you know, they, they did an amazing, amazing job. And uh, my mother's pretty particular um, and uh, she's raving about the whole process. So that's a good sign. And good for me too. <laughs> but, um, the family's happy, yeah. 
Speaking of family, I mean, um, the White family is, is, I would think, one of the true family dynasties in real estate, in not just in Australia, but in the in the world. And um, and we were lucky enough a couple of years ago to go and interview both Brian and Paul at at the shed. Um, yeah. Do Do you guys? Um, how, how much? How How big a role does the shed play in the in the Ray White business now? And do you ever get back there yourself anymore? Yeah, I, I, I was there in May a couple of months ago. We opened our um a company corporate conference from the shed at Crow's Nest. So we do go back there a lot. It's as you know, it's just a shed in regional, very very remote part of, of Queensland. Uh, it, it's it reminds it's important to go back. It reminds us of our humble beginnings. That you know what great things can come from hard work and just simple idea. And um, it keeps the generations of our family connected. You know, four generations over 120 years. So the shed is is, is very important for me personally. I find it. Um, you get a great sense of custodianship when you're there, and and the family's role in the group. But but this is importantly, um, it's a, for all our members to share. Uh, we have in the book, in in as you were noted in the shed, the names of all our elite members and chairman elite members are in the shed. We, we their contribution to the company is as much as anyone. So it's a great chance for us to recognise the people who have made the business what it is today. So yeah, it's a very special place. Um, and you know, Brian jokes about it's the most valuable asset the family has. When he said it 20 years ago, I thought he was crazy, but I think he, I think he might be right. Um, it is, it is very special. It does feel, you know, when you walk into the shed, it, it feels very, very. Um, you almost feel like the spirit of Ray hanging around. Yeah, pretty no, sure. You do, you do. I think it's because uh, it, it's a quiet place and it is a, a beautiful place as well. It's a chance to reflect on a lot of things, and I think that the walls do talk there, and you can feel, you can feel the past. You can, you know, Laura, we say that. A lot of businesses struggle to identify who they are, what they stand for. You know, there's people get consultants to come in and help them workshop answers to that question and come up with a catchy cry about who they, what they are and what they stand for. But the, the great thing about our group is we do have something that, you know, we go back there, we can bang on the door and realise that this is really where we've come from. It's it's, it's a very humbling uh, thing to go through and we're very fortunate to have it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope it stands there for a very long time to come. Yeah, we're going to get into the leadership diary shortly. But speaking of dynasties, I mean, you're the, you're a fourth generation, I think, if my maths is correct. Right. And you took over the um, group managing director position in the year two thousand. How did um, yeah. you and and Brian and the rest of the family approach that transition? Because succession planning is is tricky at the best of times. So. Yeah, it, um, it, it's, it is tricky, I think. Uh, I mean, we've been fortunate. My, my brothers and I uh, joining the family group were given opportunities to build something of our own inside the family business, and we've all done different things under that and um, outside of Ray White. And, but then uh, I just worked more and more inside the Ray White business as my career developed in our, in our business called White and Partners have just started. And uh, it, it wasn't an event, Samantha. It was, just, it was more of a, a gradual process. There was no announcement. There was no family meeting. There was no debate um, or, or crisis or or sort of um, power struggle. It was, you know, my brothers are very successful in what they're doing, and um, and Brian was comfortable with the way the business was going, and it, it just gradually happened without a big discussion. And um, I don't even I don't even know how the title came up. To be fair, and it was it just it's been a lovely process. But my having said that, my father obviously very involved in the business and and loves it and um, lives, still lives it and breathes it and very fortunate to be doing along here. We don't want to be on titles um, and his 
you know, while I might have a title there, he, he continues his key role in the business. There's been a lot going on for Ray White in the last 12 months or so, particularly with one of our favourite people joining um, joining the business, which is Nerida, Nerida Connersby. Um, what a fantastic resource. Can you tell us a bit about her appointment and what you hope to achieve having such a great economist working there within Ray White? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so uh, for, for a long time, like a lot of businesses um, in the real estate industry, we'll be talking, we've obviously digitised a lot of our of our business and information flow and data has become critical to us um, to give us a better feel of what's happening. And, um, you know, having all the group on the same system and, and having a strong team to, to manage that information and present it. And last year, uh, during COVID, we, there was a lot of talk that the market was about to finish and there was nothing, nothing was going to sell and the prices were going to fall 40% or whatever all the economists were saying, all the, all the banks were saying. And that data was showing something different, and we, we we really believed that there was an underlying strength to the buyer market, and and we were out there in the press. We got some amazing PR team, Alex Tilbury, you know, leads that, and just realised that we 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 were missing a skill set in our team to be able to take that information and communicate it back to the press, but also to our customers, to help them make the best decisions and best answers. And I was trying to do it, and some other guys in the team was trying were trying to express it. And we realised that we had an opportunity for someone with real experience to be able to look at the information we had and give information back to our customers. And Nerida was obviously the number one, two and three pick that we were, you know, we, we thought of. She's, um, she's had some agency background experience or worked in agency groups and um, we really enjoyed uh, getting to know her and unfortunately she agreed to, to come on. So it's been great. She, she's... Um, you know, it's all about, you know, data is one thing, but actually using it and actually having better conversations is a real test. And and her role in doing that, we think will be fantastic and great for our members and, and great for our customers. Yeah, she's one of the one of the only economists. Well, there's a few of them out there, but she's she has this knack of making the numbers interesting and, and dare I say, user-friendly. <laughs> like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she, she expresses, communicates very clearly and um, can break it down into the, you know, the so what question. She, she knows what numbers are important and why, and she, she, she does that very well. So, and then she works well with, with our network already and the media. So yeah, it's been a, been, been a fantastic addition. Speaking of high profile people, um, Gavin Rubenstein is, is a bit of a character and he's out there at the moment as one of Amazon prime stars of Lux listing Sydney. Have yeah. you, have you watched the show? I have. I've watched the show. Um, I've watched. I haven't watched a whole lot. I watched. Uh, I think I'm up to episode three um, or so. So yeah, I was obviously you know Gav well. He's been looking forward to this being released. Um, I think lockdown's been good for ratings as well for him. Everyone uh, seems to be listening to it. So he, he's very, you know, obviously put a lot of work into that, and uh, you know, good on him for for doing for you know for, for chasing what he wants to do. So pretty intense schedule I think they film and they put a lot of work into this over the last few years so yeah yeah you can tell is that the, yeah. we, we ended on a cliffhanger I don't want to give it if if you haven't watched the show this this could be a spoiler I, I alert about the ending. Yeah, <laughs> but um you know can can you tell us was it was it Brian <laughs> well it, it, it was the um the call itself it was just it was just one of us I think that was part of the mystery so uh, that was how, how the show ended. And I know Gav says he's been contacted a lot by people asking what we want, what what the family was after. So you might need to wait for season two to see what happens, Samantha. Mm. But uh, yeah, they certainly um, they certainly add, add a little bit of intrigue to that. So uh, we'll see how we go. 
they've managed to end every episode on a cliffhanger, even though they dropped all all six episodes at once. So I'm not I'm not I'm not sure about the strategy there. But anyway, yeah. have yeah. been enjoying it. Yeah. So. So moving moving along, um, as I mentioned, I'd like to ask you some questions as part of something we do called the Leadership Diaries, which um, we've had we featured a lot of Ray White people, Mark McLeod and Megan Jaffe and people like that, and it's just a series of questions that we ask, um, you know, experienced leaders to help future leaders with their careers. So, um, and I know you haven't seen these questions, so are you ready? Yep. Yeah, go for it. Please. Okay. So, what was your first job, and what did it teach you? Uh, my first job was um, actually uh, probably a full-time job, I suppose, was um, after university uh, where I worked in Arthur Anderson, an accounting firm. And uh, it taught me, um, it was an amazing firm that uh, really was so um, uh, well-centred on its, on its team and staff and the welcome they gave the first-year cohort, the way they educated us, the way they looked after us and kept us together and... and measured our performance and mentored us was something I've never ever seen again and had a wonderful leader um, who also when I said I wanted to move on to something better I was very nervous to tell him and he said where would you like to go how can I help you get there was his response and um, it was very you know never forget that the, the quality leadership that comes from bringing people through and even if they then want to move somewhere else um, they're there to support you do that so yeah that was my well part of a favourite time of my professional career was working with Arthur Anderson in Brisbane. It was amazing. Yeah, what an amazing leadership lesson to learn early on too, yeah. you know, because it's normally not until, you know, 20 years down the track that we get that one. Yeah, no, I was very fortunate to have, have that and I uh, I do write to him now and again and uh, and remind him of that, um, you know, what, 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 he, uh, what he provided me as an individual. So, yeah, very, very fortunate I had that early experience. Yeah, amazing. What's the most important thing you're working on now and how are you making that happen? Improving the um, the effectiveness of our team, a corporate team to work together. We have such a diverse, even the last 10 years, the diversity of our team in skills and background and experience and outlook is so different, you know, with so many more people, as the team's grown, we've added more skills more specialists. We have more specialists in our corporate team than we've had before. IT people, digital people, guys involved in profitability, um, guys involved in marketing, um, and it's all the traditional real estate stuff around auctions and growth. And and trying to make everyone feel like they're part of the same, they belong in this company, that, that even though they're very different from the person across the aisle, that they still have a big role to play and that they feel that if, if, even if you're in technology, that you feel you can be with Ray White and it's a great place to grow a career in technology. Or I'm in mean, social media, it's a great place to grow a career or in digital um, programming or data engineering or data science. And that, that's the biggest challenge, I think, in probably all companies is making everyone feel that they do belong there and they can make a difference and, and their input will be valued, um, even though, even though it's, a, it's, a, it's a very diverse group of people. What does the first hour of your day look like, and how does it go after that? Are you like a five AM clubber, or um... I'm, I'm not. I'm definitely not like the, some of you people who've been on. Like you know, you guys you mentioned before, get up super early. I am an early riser. I do. I do have to start the day with some exercise. So I'm very fortunate with that. I got some friends and the guy train with a fair bit. So my my six to seven is um is pretty locked in every day with the same sort of thing. And then we have a family call every. Um, three days a week for half an hour um, my father my brothers and our family CFO 
and we talked for half an hour. Um, it started during COVID and it's kept up for the last 18 months. Um, often you sit there and there's silence, there's no one talking because there's not much to talk about. And, and um, there's no agenda, there's no formality, there's just, just, just us talking. So that's, that's really, that's really me as, as it gets a day underway. And um, it's a nice, um, nice balance. Who are the three people who've been most influential to you along your career? Um, can I count family? I don't know. Probably is that a bit. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, abs- um, absolutely. You can. Okay, I think yeah, you definitely okay. can. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I'm fortunate to. Um, uh, I mentioned before the guy who worked with in Brisbane, Richard Friend from um, Arthur Anderson, was definitely one. I mentioned his story. Um, my uh, my brothers have been special to me. Um, I remember my brother Sam. Um, he was working in the business already and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to, when I would join the family business because I was a bit concerned about whether I had enough experience and whether I'd be any good or make a difference in the family business. And he gave me the encouragement and said, no, you don't need to be, you don't, it's not like you don't need to be a genius to join. You don't need to have all the answers before you join, I think this comment. And uh, that gave me the clarity to, to realise, yeah, I don't need to have all the answers before I join a family business. I can just just join. That, that, that was a big, so he, my brothers have been big supporters of mine. Um, and, and hopefully the other way as well. And then obviously, you know, my father's been um, uh, a, a biggest influence, obviously, in my career. Uh, not, not for, probably not for what he's done, but what he hasn't done, in the sense that he hasn't. Um, he's always given me the opportunity to, to um, uh, try my own thing. Always there to support, never telling me what to do, but supporting me in what I tried. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good leadership lesson thing for all of us. And he, he I sort of learned it without knowing I was learning it, that he um, very infrequently of it. People say to me often, oh, you, you, know, you must be struggling with that issue. What, is, what does Brian say? What does he tell you to do? And yeah, I've been saying that for a long time, you know. Um, and I've always, the answer's always been, he's never ever told me what to do. He's always asked me questions and, and, and maybe, you know, um, threw a few questions that I hadn't thought of. But he, he's always let us, let me and my brothers sort of make decisions and move forward. If we made mistakes, he'd be there to help get out of it. So, yeah, that that was that that they're, they're the people I look back on that had a huge impact. I'm also very fortunate; I had a great career at Macquarie Bank, and I, I worked with someone there directly who I now I'm very good friends with, and actually work together in Whiten Partners, um, James Hodgkinson, and he's um he, he's. His influence on my career has been massive as well. gave me gave me a huge amount of confidence in my ability, um, and he, he was a huge support for me. So I've been very fortunate. It's a, it's a great question. You, you know, I often say to people, you know, good to look back who supported you, and there, there are a lot of people we all have in our lives that we should um, recognise more often. It's interesting, and I mean, my next question, I suppose, is even more interesting because yeah. we normally sort of say to people, um, "Who are you learning from right now?" And even me, I looked at back at this question, thought this is going to be so difficult for Dan to answer because yeah. I know education is such a focus for the group. I mean, I've been to the a couple of sessions where you've had Harvard professors come out, and um, yeah. I know Brian, without COVID would go back to Harvard and, and study and it's such a yeah. big a big focus, but I'm gonna ask it anyway, who are you learning um, from right now? Well, I think um, I, I learn um, from a lot of sources. I think you say I've always been fortunate being around a real company with a big learning bias and always always been, edu- you know, made a big effort to be educated or parents did for all of us. And then 
there's always been that sort of environment where of in the family of, of, of education and learning. Um, I think there's a couple of ways. The benefit of being in a big group is that you do get so much, so many wonderful people you meet and come across. And if you, my grandfather used to say, if you, if you stop and, and listen, everyone's got a good story. That everyone's got a story you should listen to. So I, there's a couple of a couple of things come to mind, Samantha. One is um, our, our, our young business owners, um, guys certainly younger than I am, some of the guys and girls in that space and what they're doing with their businesses is astonishing. Um, and I think that uh, I'm constantly amazed at the level of leadership and skills coming from young business leaders inside the company. I'm sure there's some, out, obviously, heaps of them outside Raywood as well, but inside our group, absolutely. Um, I learned so much from being with them and seeing them operate at levels of haven't seen before, embracing technology, just changing the approach about the way the industry works, being transparent with customers. And it, is, it is amazing. Um, uh, some of our wonderful uh, leaders coming through. Unfortunately, we've got a, a technology team. I learned so much from our tech team um, about how they approach it. They have such a different way of doing business than, than I've, I've done before with our CTO, Matt Gay. Is, um, is is always throwing books at me and ideas to read. Some of them are a bit too bit, bit on the pay grade, but some I can handle. Um, and then and then finally, um, I, I do get benefit of um, being a part of a broader business too. My brothers are in different parts. Sam leads a business called Loan Market, which is a very big uh, finance business, which is incredible success for him and and learning from in that industry. And the younger brother Ben is in a technology business called Alo, which he's developed. So I'm surrounded, to be fair, by um, incredible people. Uh, the trick is just to keep up with them all. I keep saying that to our top leaders. You mentioned before the call people like Megan. You know, you can, there's so much to um, so much to learn just inside our group. It's uh, very fortunate to to, to uh, be part of that. Yeah. What is your favourite question to ask someone in a job interview, and what does it tell you about the person? Oh, I, yeah, I, um, one question I often ask, if, if it's the right thing, if I, if I don't want to explain the wrong area, I often ask, growing up around the kitchen table, what, what did your family, well, can you describe what that was like? Um, and what did you talk about as a, as, as a young person with your, with your broader family? If it's the right thing, if I know enough about them, because I think it gives a great level, it, it takes, um, usually it takes people away from, um, selling themselves and to just be talking about their past and their, their, where they've come from and what was important to them and give them talking about something they generally love or to reminisce about. So, yeah, that's that's one question I often throw in every so often. I can't believe the funny looks back at me, but it's always one that works, that works really well. And culture is so important these days. When you do bring somebody new into the business, what's the best what what's the best way to help them understand the culture of of Ray White and the family business? It's a it's a it's such an important question. I think um, it's something that we probably don't do as like all business probably don't do as well as we should. Um, I think a family business that have been around a lot is around a long time has got strengths and weaknesses and. Um, it's it's a hard it's something that can be a hard business for new people to come into because it's 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 got I think a fairly strong culture um, and a long way of doing things informally. So we're a very informal business. We don't really we're not a board meeting style business. We don't even have an organisational chart really. We're, it's very informal and we like people to really back themselves to 
to have an impact on the company rather than the company telling them what to do. And that that take that just comes through conversations, uh, and it's there's it, no shortcuts to to having those things. We've got books and things like that, but people just have to spend time with people. Brian pl plays a really important role in that, uh, his own style, and he loves, as he says, personalising the business, um, trying to explain the subtleties of that of that of environment where it's it's us backing you, not us telling you what to do. And that, that that's 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 one of the art forms of all leadership. And there's no shortcuts in that process. And we can't be doing it as leaders. We can't be doing enough of it. You get people on. You're so excited they start, and then you, then you stop. Then you stop talking. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a danger area. It's a good it's a good question. After this after this session, I'll go and revisit revisit some of that stuff. You, you've got me thinking again. <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess that's a good thing when you when it's it's like you just said about your father. He asks good questions to get people thinking. So ho yeah. hopefully hopefully that's what this is. Mm -hmm. um, What's one thing you wish you'd known when you first started your career in real estate? Um, one thing I wish I'd have known, um, I, I wish I knew that, uh, that you could be more patient and you, you could, you could the, the things in this industry take time to build. Um, things don't happen fast. Market share doesn't happen quickly. Careers, generally speaking, take time to build. And I think... As a young person in the industry early on, I've made mistakes because I was too impatient and, and forced things too quickly. And that's something that I wish I had known a bit earlier. And, yeah. and maybe there was a pressure trying to come into a family business, trying to make an impact or whatever it is. But I think it's one of the, it's one of the great things about the industry, but it's also one of the worst things. Is it, it does things, the, the, the deck chairs take a long time to move around. Yeah. One thing that um, I remember very clearly from my visit to the shed is I asked both um, Paul and Brian um, what advice they would have for agents who are, who are doing it tough or what advice Ray might have had. And I very clearly remember um, Paul saying, you know, my father said that you put your hat on and you walk up and down Queen Street and you talk to people. And, you know, I've never forgotten that little snippet because, you know, he actually had the hat and all the rest of it. And I you yeah. know, still get goosebumps thinking about it. Mm -hmm. What words of advice do you have for agents that might be starting out in this crazy market where it sort of feels like listings are a bit low and, you know, times are a bit tough out there and there's, a you know, two buyers for every property or, sorry, yeah. 20 buyers for every property. Buyers for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think for, for young people, uh, I think firstly, the the youth um, young people have never had a better opportunity in the in the industry. It's becoming more more opportunity more and more opportunities for young people uh, because of the way the industry's gone and the way information flows and the way it's much more transparent. So I think the encouragement to young people to join younger makes much makes a lot of sense. So um, so I think firstly it is an industry it should be an industry of choice for a lot of young people. They can make an impact quickly uh, as a young person. Um, in terms of being effective, I just feel like my story early on. I, I think you've got to skill along. I'd do anything to work with the best people and just take your time, be patient, under working for someone that you respect that's a good leader. And, and you've got the great thing about youth, talent on your side and why rush. You, you're way better off spending time with 
great operators, good leadership skills, even if it doesn't mean much financially and doesn't mean you're going to be able to sort of show much financial rewards or or public sort of um, accolades for, for stuff. But learning good habits from really good people at a young age is, is so important, I think, for the long term. And, and, and you know, doing whatever you can to work for that person um, and, and working, working as hard as you can for them once you get that opportunity. And if it's not working out, finding someone else. If, it, if, it, if, if they're not as a good leader as you thought they, as they promised they were, then, then move on, find someone, find someone that is. Yeah. So we love to leave a few links in our show notes of any books or resources that are your favourites. Do you have any yeah. books or, or other podcasts or anything like that that you'd like to recommend to people out there? There's a couple. couple there's, a, there's a book for all leaders out there. One of the books I came across, um, I read overseas actually, was a guy, it's, it's, it's um, a guy called Rob Chapman and um, it's called Everybody Matters. And he's a CEO of a business called Barry Waymiller, American firm. And it was just totally changed my perspective on leadership and the role we have as leaders with people we work with. So um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worthwhile read. Like all of those books, probably the first third's good. The rest you probably don't necessarily need, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's a good read. There's also one we use of measuring what matters for all leaders trying to instigate change and trying to bring different people together. Uh, it's a book called John Doerr. It's around the OKR measurement tool, uh, measuring what matters. A lot of big companies do it. And for that issue I mentioned before about diverse people, um, uh, that's um, uh, that's, a that's a really good book as well. So that, those two probably be our recommendations. And podcasts, um, apart from Elite Agent, of course, there's um, one, uh, there's an HBR podcast um, that's uh, done every uh, week by a guy called Mahir Desai. Um, and a couple other guys as well, Ravi Abdullah, and that's um, uh, called After Hours. It's an HBR podcast weekly. It's about it, it goes. It's quite quick and top, very topical. Um, uh, monthly, um, very topical global issues from from pretty smart people. We'll definitely check that one out. Um, yeah. So Dan, I'd like to thank you for spending some time with us today. It's been um, it's been wonderful to hear about some of your leadership journey and and some of the advice that you've given has been incredibly generous. So so thank you very much for that. Um, just a final question I ask all my guests is is out of all the stuff that we've talked about today, is there one tip or one thing that you'd like to leave everyone with or one thought? Well, I thought one one thing is that it's for people in family businesses, um, you know, it is um, you're very lucky to be in a family business. I know there are issues with with family businesses, but it is it is a powerful thing to have family together, and you understand it more and more as your career develops. And um, I'd recommend that uh, anyone in family business to work on it as a family to keep talking, keep communicating. And, um, you know, great things do come from it if you stick together. Absolutely amazing. Dan White, thank you so much. Thanks, Samantha. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.